but sometimes I get excited and things fly. But today's Memorial Day. Memorial Day. It's a day that for a lot of people have really no meaning at all, except that it's just considered another day, and it's usually the start of the Indianapolis 500. That's what they think of Memorial Day. Memorial Day was first called Decoration Day, and it's a day of remembrance. We remember those who have died in our, in our, in our nation's service. In uh, 1967, Decoration Day officially became Memorial Day. They changed the name. And this day reminds us of the men and women who gave their all who died for our country, who died for the freedoms that we have. You know, we bring in remembrance of all those things. Sometimes, if you're like me, you take for granted a lot of things. And you only realize that you've taken them for granted when we've lost them, whether it's our rights or, or whatever's coming down the pike. How about us for Christians? You know, when, when we have the Lord's table, we're told to do it in remembrance. In remembrance, because one day our faith will become sight. What a day that's going to be. Face to face with our Lord Jesus. You know, uh, in Deuteronomy, Moses told the people. He reminded those people. He admonished them. He says, tell your children and your grandchildren all the blessings and all the good things that God has done. Why? In case they forget God. Is that happening in our day? Yeah. Do we remember Calvary? Do we remember the cross? How close are we? Do we only go there when we're up to problems up to here? Or is that a daily basis? Communing with God. Thanking Him for what He has done. You know, I don't want to forget that our Lord said in this world, we're going to have tough times. And how many of you never had tough times? Nobody. We all go through tough times. One of the things that we face in our lifetime is adversity. And it's going to come in one way or another. Currently around the world, what, what have we been facing the past three years? What's, what's the big thing? It's COVID, COVID-19. Whether there's a mandate, whether there's no mandates, whether it's a mask, whether it's no mask, and the list goes on and on and on. You know, when COVID-19 is done, if it's ever done, it's got to be something else. It's got to be something else. One of the most incredible witnesses that we have as believers showing the greatness of our God is how we handle adversity that comes head on in our life. How we handle that. It, it, it is our faith in the middle of adversity. It is our faith in the middle of tough times that proves to the world that what we have in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is real. It's real. There's a story that's told of an old mule. And I'm not talking about anybody in here. There's a t story that's told about an old mule. And the mule fell in the well. And it wasn't a well that was, had casings that was three feet above the ground. It was a well that was flat on the ground and it had boards. And the boards had rotted away. <clears throat> and that old mule fell in the well. Well, the farmer was in a dilemma. And he's looking... And the old mule is braying or doing whatever a mule does when it falls in the well. And the farmer assessed the situation. And he says, you know, that old mule and that well is not worth the saving. 
It's not worth putting the effort to try to get him out and whatever. So he enlisted his neighbors. And he said, I need some help. So they were going to bury, fill the well with dirt, with the old mule in it. Yep, they were going to bury the mule alive in the well. Well, initially, that old mule was hysterical. Every shovel of dirt that was hitting the mule's back, he was in a panic. What's going on here? But it suddenly dawned on the mule that every time a shovel landed on the back, he would shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. You know what that mule did? He continued to encourage himself. Even in the midst of what seemed to be an impossible situation of being buried alive, he continued to put panic away. And what seemed like forever, that old mule triumphantly stepped out of the well. What seemed like the worst case scenario actually turned into a blessing. Actually turned into a blessing. All because of the way he handled that situation, that hard time that came to him. Isn't that life? That's life. You know, if we face our problems, when they come and they will come, if we face our problems and don't give in to panic and don't give in to bitterness and don't give in to self-pity, but keep our eyes focused on the Lord, knowing that he's still on the throne, man, the outcome is going to be better than we thought. Because the adversities that come along, the hard times, the testings, the stuff that just comes down the pike, usually has a potential to benefit us depending on how we act or react to what's coming our way. And there's nothing that can come our way without God knowing it. The one who promised, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, Hebrews 13, 5. Hey, I mean, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. That wasn't like that for the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was suspended between heaven and earth, he cried out, My God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken of the Father. And for the believer, never to be forsaken. I mean, just think of that. We've got tremendous resources that we can tap into. How about forgiveness? Is it hard to forgive somebody? It is. It's hard. But how come we can forgive? Because we have first been forgiven. Because we have first been forgiven. It's that simple. Ephesians chapter 4. How about our faith? Faith is a substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not seen. Man. How about prayer? We have access to the throne of grace. Into the holy of holies where God dwells. We have access to that. Just think about that. To meet God on a personal basis in prayer. Wow. How about praise? When's the last time you praised God? When's the last time I praised God when it was going great? That's easy to do. Man, oh man, you're at the top of the world and you can thank God for everything that's coming. But when it's going bad, when's the last time you thank God? Not because you broke a leg and your leg is over there and you're over here. I mean, that's the, but you can praise God because he knows the end from the beginning and he knows exactly what you can handle and He allows things to come into our life for his purpose. What a hope we have. Those are all excellent ways that we can shake it off and step up. Keep on keeping on for for the Lord. Because let me tell you, if you don't hang on to those things, if those memory verses that you have hidden in your heart, 
If you don't bring him to life and to light and to apply him to your heart when things go hard, when things get rough, you're going for a ride. You will. Because the devil's tools are never, never dull. Never dull. Discouragement, doubt, questioning that does God really care? Does he still care? The devil's tools are never, never dull. Take heart because this will pass. I had an opportunity to talk to a lot of men, saved and unsaved, men who are fathers, providers, you know, breadwinners, husbands, dads, and the vast majority, even Christian men, conclude that life stinks and then you die. You know, life is unfair. Did you ever hear that? Did you ever murmur that? Nobody ever said life was going to be fair. Nobody ever said that. Life is not worth living. I hear that. hear that from kids. hear that from teenagers. hear that from dads, moms. The Apostle Paul, he had his share of troubles. And he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Life is worth living. People say the church is lying to us. Politicians are lying to us. Everybody's lying to us. Don't talk about elections. You know who you're going to vote for. One man says, it's like asking me, do you want bone cancer or lung cancer? You know, it's a death sentence no matter who gets in. I mean, people, people's hearts are failing them with fear. They really are. Because the vast majority of people have no hope. And they're living a life without hope. That's because they do not have our Lord Jesus Christ, who in John chapter 14, verse 6, Our Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. No one. Do you know children are equally concerned? Equally concerned with the future. They're not worried if Social Security is going to be around for them. They're not worried about that. They're kids. But their concerns are just as alarming as their parents and their peers. And we get to hear a lot of them. You see, they see fear in their parents' hearts, in their parents' eyes, in their parents' voice. They sense the hopelessness and the helplessness that, that the parents are feeling in the conversations, whether it's at the dinner table or just around the family gathering. They sense that fear. Whether it's in the home or on the news, in the media, social media, they sense that fear. And they want to give up. When, that, when an eight-year-old child wants to hit an exit button and be out of here, and that is not a solitary, it's happening at a great rate, far greater than, it's unbelievable. Psalm 142 and verse 4. Psalm 142 verse 4. The psalmist says, I looked at, on my right hand and I beheld no man would know me. No man cared for my soul. You think there's people out there that think that? If you don't think so, come work at Camp Good News for a week. Or go in the town. Go, go where the kids gather. Children, teens, adults, people in nursing homes, people in hospital are just existing because they think nobody cares. No man cares for my soul. 
But you know those children, they're looking for answers. They, they are looking for answers. And they're going to the internet. And there are predators out there that are more than willing to take them in and offer them something that will not help them whatsoever. I want to read something in Psalm 139. In Psalm 139 and verse 13, verse 14, here the psalmist says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How many kids don't even know that? That they were created by a master designer? I am wonderfully made. My soul knows right well. He said, my, hus- my substance was not hid from thee and I was made- when I was made in secret. Thine eyes did see my substance, and yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written. How precious also, verse 17, are the thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than that of all the sand. When a boy or girl realizes that they're created in the image of God, and their worth in Christ is far above rubies, it does something to their life. If you come to Camp Good News, on our junior weeks, we have a big sign in the front of the chapel. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Just like Moses told the people in Deuteronomy. In your youth, remember. Tell them to your kids and your grandkids so they don't forget God. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. We want children to know who our Lord Jesus Christ is. And we want them to know what he has done for them. Now, can children understand the things of God? For those who have come to Camp Good News as a camper or as a counselor, you know what this is. It's a prayer partner letter. Every camper that comes to camp this summer, every summer, all the summers, has somebody who's praying for them by name. By name. You might have a lady, a man that's praying for 20 children. You get three, four, five that are coming week, one and so many by name. Praying for them by name that God would do a great work in their heart. Here's a little boy. I am nine years old, going on ten. The headings are all written out. Dear prayer partner, the thing I enjoyed most about camp was... The food. You wouldn't expect that, anything else, from a nine-year-old. The food and the pool. And the stuff that you give to campers. What do you think that stuff is? Anybody? What do you think the stuff that you give to campers? Bible. We give Bibles if they don't have one. Absolutely. What's that? Clothing. Clothing. Absolutely. We've got a mini Goodwill at camp. And this little boy came to camp with just the clothes on his back for a week. And so he was brought to the Goodwill, our little closet, where we have all sizes, all clean clothes, underwear. If they need socks, they need shoes. If if we don't have what they need, a buyer goes every day into town, brings it to them. And the things and the stuff that you give to campers, 
The second part of this prayer part in the letter says, Thanks for praying for me because God helped me to understand He word. Understand His word. And why He died for us. And forgave my sin. And it should have been me, but it was Him. Taking my place. Nine years old. Can a child understand? Oh yeah. If he's taught well, a child can understand. I don't know about you, but I want to stand in the gap for them. I want to be the hand that reaches out to them. I want to be the voice that calls out to them. You know, the mandates that we've been hearing about, the mandate to change, the mandate to preach the gospel has never been changed. That's our marching orders. Go ye into the world. Never been changed, never been altered, never been diminished. The urgency of the hour is right upon us. It's still upon us. Men and women and children, boys and girls are still lost in their sin in need of a savior. And the gospel message has not been changed and been altered. But the fields are still white unto the harvest. We need God's eyes. He says, he's told his disciples, don't tell me there's four months left. He says, look, the fields are white unto the harvest. They're ready. But he says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send more laborers into his harvest. More laborers. Remember in uh, Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah stood before the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died? He saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he was going there on behalf of the people. He said, the people are, are I, I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. And when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he wasn't worried about the people anymore. He saw himself in front of God. And he says, woe is me, because I am a man of unclean lips. And then that seraphim came and put a coal right on his lips. What a picture of the gospel. What a picture of, of being cleansed. What a picture. And then, and then it says, the Lord says, whom shall I send? Isaiah says, Here am I, Lord, send me. He didn't say, Here am I, Lord, send Jack. Here am I, Lord, send Bob. Here, he said, Here am I, Lord, send me. I want to be that me. I want to continue to be that me. Is summer without its difficulties? We've got difficulties in the summer, we've got difficulties year round. Year round. When we shut down camp, I found out what it was to deal with CDC. I found out what it was to deal with people who call themselves Christians on Sunday. I found out what it was dealing with parents. Well, if, you, if you're of this persuasion, it's good. If you're not of this persuasion and you ought to close the camp, shut the camp, the list went on. I tell you what, I'm not playing the blame game. I know that God is still on the throne. And everything that's happening, he's orchestrating it for his purpose, for his glory. And let me tell you, we're living in exciting times. I can't go around and be a Eeyore. Why? Because the Lord is coming soon. He's coming soon. We were never told that ministry is going to be easy. Why do we think we need a red carpet? You know, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. He tells me in this world, in me you're going to have peace. In John 16, 33. 
He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. Oh, man. <coughs> it's a promise. You want to live for the Lord? It's going to go rough. It's going to go rough. Lord says, don't, don't say I've come in here to, to bring peace on earth. He says, it's going to be a division. The gospel divides. The gospel divides. Father against mother, mother against father, siblings against siblings. I mean, the list goes on. Suffering as a Christian. How do we suffer? Somebody called me a Jesus freak. Oh, I'm being persecuted. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got brothers and sisters who are losing their lives. Does that mean that'll never come here? I don't know. But if it does, will we stand strong? Will we stand strong? In 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't think it's strange. But rejoice, rejoice that you are partakers of Christ's suffering and that his glory, when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of God and the glory of God rest upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. What an awesome thing. You know, to see everything that's going on in the world and for the believer to, hey, God is good. They're going to say, he's nuts, you know. But everything is good. When our Lord says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. In Matthew chapter 11, I will give you rest. He tells us to take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you're yoked with Christ for the work of the ministry, it's a win-win. It's, it's, it's a win-win. What burdens are you carrying? Everybody's carrying a burden. Everybody is. And for the church family, Galatians, you know, chapter 6, verse 1 says, every man will carry his own burdens. But a few verses later, it talks about us bearing one another's burdens. And so that we're going to fulfill the law of Christ. We had a teen week this past winter at camp. And I don't know about you, but if you're honest with teenagers and you're honest with the youth, they're going to be honest with you. They poured out their hearts of stuff that is burdening them poured out their hearts and it's awful there's always been stress and peer pressure and alcohol and drugs and pornography and family issues and and the list goes on and on there are things that i can't mention here tonight that, that were shared but it's not just an isolated case it's on such a large scale it doesn't even make sense and the biggest burden that they have is the burden of sin. And somebody needs to tell them that our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died, not just for my sins, but for the sins of the whole world. What an awesome God we saved. He died to save them from a real hell for a real heaven. But you know what? God is still calling boys and girls, men and women to himself. But it's for a special kind of person. It's somebody who's a sinner. Isn't that awesome? A sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
The wages of sin is death. But it doesn't end there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God is calling men and women and boys and girls by their name. Lost. Special kind of person. Lost. Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If they are not saved, their name is lost. And that's the kind of person God is calling to himself. But somebody needs to share the gospel with them. Ladies love to cook, don't they? Guys like to cook too, if they can cook. But what do you do when you have a great recipe? You want to share it. Somebody asks you, hey, can I have that recipe? Yeah, here, here's the recipe. And you can't wait to get home and try it, and you cook it, and it's not like it at all. You know what I'm talking about, huh? But, but you have the recipe. What do we have? We've got the recipe for eternal life. We have the words of eternal life given by God to let loose so that boys and girls and men and women would come to the Savior for forgiveness of sins. I like working with kids. And I know I've shared this with you before. But in, in, in my favorite Bible, who's my favorite Bible character? Anybody know? My favorite Bible character. Uh, what's that? Jesus. Oh, absolutely. He is, you know, that's, that's a given. But he's not a Bible character. <laughs> what's that? Zacchaeus. He was a good thief. I, I was there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's my height. I see eye to eye with him. <laughs> my favorite Bible character is Josiah. Josiah was eight years old. In 2 Kings chapter 22, it says that Josiah was eight years old and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Eight years old. And his dad, the chapter before, his dad's name was Amon. And we read that he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And his grandfather was Manasseh. He was one of the worst kings. So you know what society would tell Josiah? You're just like your father. You're just like your grandfather. You'll never amount to anything. And the list goes on and on and on. Not in God's economy. Somebody had to tell Josiah about the things of God. Maybe it was his mother. Maybe it was Manasseh when he got old in age and he turned to the God of his fathers. I, I don't know. But Josiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. The apostle Paul... Mute button. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the Apostle Paul, I, I, I can see him urging the people in Romans chapter 12. The urgency in his voice. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice for your reasonable service. He says, it's the least you can do. He's urging us to do that. And then he tells us in verse 2, he says, Be not conformed to this world. It's easy to be conformed to this world. It's easy to be conformed to this world's thinking. It's easy to, to go with status quo. It's easy. And he tells us not to be conformed, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that can only happen when we're, we're saturating ourselves in the word of God and in prayer and applying it to our lives. But you know what happens with a living sacrifice? How many people do we know? who have started off with a bang, and man, they can't, 
they, 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 they're sold out for the Lord and something happens and they're done. They're done. When you say you're done, it's easy because you can blame somebody else. It's their fault. It's their fault. But the, no, I didn't sign up for this. It's too hard. A living sacrifice, you crawl off the altar. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, you did. You signed up for it. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Is it going to be worth it when we see Jesus? Absolutely. It's going to be worth it. I always like to talk about a child in, in a message. And there's so many messages about children. But in, in, in John chapter 6, in John chapter 6, we read about a little boy. A little, a little boy. It says, when our Lord Jesus, you know, was, was come up to the mountain and he was with his disciples and the Passover feast was just around the corner. Just around the corner. And when Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw multitudes of people. There was over 5,000. Over 5,000. Multitudes of people. And he looked at Philip and he says, where are we going to find all the money to buy food for all these? And Philip says, there's not enough money that we can buy bread that everybody would have a morsel. There's, there's not enough. And the Lord knew that. And he was just saying that because he knew exactly what he was going to do. And then here comes Andrew. Andrew says, there's a little lad over there. He's got a lunch. He's got a little lunch. Just that little lad has got a little lunch. Oh, well, the Lord fed all those people with that little lad's lunch. Do you think that Andrew, the big fisherman, went up, found that little lad, grabbed him, put him in a headlock, and grabbed his lunch and ran? He probably said, the master would like to have your lunch. He gave him his lunch. He gave him his lunch. That little boy. Could have been any little boy. He's not named. You know what that tells me about that little boy? He probably had a mom who cared. Somebody had to prepare him a little lunch. It was a poor man's lunch. You know, five little barley loaves and two fish. Probably had a mom who cared. You know how many children in Madawaska, in your town, wherever, that come to Camp Good News who don't have a mom who cares? Mother's Day just passed by. Some of the kids that come to camp hate Mother's Day. Why? They don't have a mother. They don't know who their mother is. I don't want to forget those things. I don't want to forget that. A little girl doesn't have a mom when her body's changing to talk to the mom about things that are going on. I don't want to forget that. Fathers did, same thing. You talk to them about God, the Father who loves them, and they're attributing that to their father who doesn't love them. And the list goes on. I don't want to forget that. I don't. Could, could, uh, could the Lord have fed all those people with half the little boy's lunch? He could have, he could have fed him. He, he didn't even need the lunch. He didn't even need the lunch. To, I mean, let's go to, <laughs> he didn't even need the lunch. The God who hung the world on nothing can feed everybody. You know? He didn't need the lunch. But you know what this tells me? I believe it's a lesson for all of us. There's a lot of people that don't serve the Lord. They're Christians by name, but they don't serve the Lord. They're not actively involved in serving the Lord anywhere. They think their lunch is too small. 
Somebody else can do it better than me. Somebody else can do this. Uh, we're looking for Sunday school teachers. We're looking for janitors. We're looking, whatever it is. Uh, somebody else can do it. You know, I'm not that good. They think their lunch is too small. You know what that tells me? God doesn't care how big the lunch is. He wants it all. He wants all your lunch. Never mind how big or how little. He wants it all. And you'll be amazed at what he can do with your whole lunch, your whole life. That little boy, I still remember that little boy who says, I, want to, I know I'm saved. Uncle Roger, I know I'm saved. But I don't know how to, to give my whole life to the Lord. I, I don't know how. And it still sticks in me. I might have shared this. I probably did. We were in chapel. And I said, listen. There was an old wicker basket in the back of the chapel. I brought that. I put that down. I said, this is what it means to give your whole life to the Lord. I stepped in the basket. Because I asked him, I said, when you go to church, do they pass an offering plate? Yeah. I said, does your dad, your mom, do they put money in there? Oh, yeah. I said, do they put all their money in there? He goes, uh, I don't think so. Well, to give all your life to the Lord means stepping in the basket. Here I am. Use me wherever, however. And that little boy said, I know what you mean. I can do that. And, and you know, God is amazing. God, God is amazing what he does. I want to give you a little update of what, what's happening in our life. Uh, we, we, it, it's going to make 20 years next year that we've been at uh, Camp Good News. 20 years. It goes by like that. Vernon, how old are you? 74. Life for Vernon is going by at 74 miles an hour. Uh, who can I pick on? How old are you? Yeah, are you? 13. Life for you is going by at 13 miles an hour. When you get to be old, like me and Mr. Vernon, if you're going to do something for the Lord, you better do it now. Because I'm going to tell you something. Pretty soon, all you can do is think about it. All you can do is think about it. In January of 2023, this coming January, I will be transitioning into a new role, which will officially begin in June of 2023, but I'm going to be passing the baton to Jeremy Brown, Lord willing, and he'll be the camp director. I'll be hanging on for another four or five months, full time, you know, helping out. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot, lot going on. And... I'm not retiring, I'm retreading. Retreading, rewiring, whatever you want to call it. Still actively involved with Camp Good News. I guess I'll, you could say I'll, I'll be an ambassador for Camp Good News, uh, going around and bringing awareness to pastors and, and churches and people of what is transpiring at camp, what's going on there, what do we do? And it's not just about getting, getting, it's about what can we do for you as a church, you know? That's what it's all about. It's not just about me, myself, and, or me and my two brothers, me, myself, and I. It's about being actively involved in people's lives, you know? And in June of 2023, my wife will be retiring. Now, she's not retreading. She's retiring in Ju June of 2023, Lord willing. And she says, I was retired when we went to camp. <laughs> but she's, tw she, she's in t just 20 hours a week now. 
because she's keeping her grandson for, and she loves it. But she had to jump in and do all the cooking in the kitchen this winter because Sarah, who was in charge of our kitchen, had some medical issues. So her 20 hours turned into 20, 30, 40, plus, plus. And so she's looking forward to... So Lord, Lord willing, that's, that's what's going to happen. So we're asking prayers for a smooth transition that we would adjust well. And... Uh, we praise God for his faithfulness for every one of you. I mean, we, we could not be at Camp Good News were it not for faithful people like you. I tell everybody, our sending church, and that, that's, that's, this, that's our church, our sending church. And somebody said, oh, they kicked you out. I said, well, no, our sending church. And, and what a blessing, what a blessing. And when I say it's, it's, it's good to come back home, it's good to come back home. It really is. So we're excited at what God is doing. Can God change things? Of course he can. You make plans, and the Lord moves a steering, uh, steers a moving ship. He does. You know, trust in the Lord all your heart. Lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I believe that with my whole heart. I believe that with my whole heart. So we're thankful that we're here. We love you guys. And we're here for another four days, five days. And then we're going back. You can pray for us. We're going to a funeral. If you've looked at the, beat, uh, at the news about a young man who died at New Jersey Beach, they were digging a hole, him and his sister, with Frisbees. And they were uh, 10 feet down. And they were on the beach, and then it collapsed. They were both buried alive. The sister, she's all right. The 17, she's all right. They gave her oxygen. The young man, they dug him out three hours later. So, we'll be going to that funeral, so, hard, really hard. The brevity of life, it's real. It's real. And we know that family, they come to serve at camp, and, you know, the one that lost his life, he was, we've known him at camp, he's serving with us, and so, but, you never know what's coming down the pike. We gotta be ready. So, Thank you. Father, we just praise you for who you are. We do ask, Lord, that you would just make us a channel of blessing for one person this week. One person. Use us for your honor and for your glory, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.